Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. going to be taking a break from uh, the book of Matthew, and uh, we're going to stop and dedicate the next, uh, these minutes that we have together in corporate worship to the subject of worship, and it's, it's good to stop and to uh, remember and remind ourselves and come up with a biblical theology of why we do what we do. And so this morning we're going to talk about a, uh, a theology of the anatomy of a vertical worship service. And you say, well, that's a mouthful. It sounds very studious. Well, I try to sound very studious because most of the time people think of musicians and music and artists people as non-thinking people. And uh, so the title makes it look like we're thinking people, and hopefully we are thinking people. Cody and I were talking about this this week, and if he was to put a title up like that, uh, Pastor Cody would put a title up like that, you'd all go to sleep because you're like, I know that you're a studious person, I need to know if you're a a feeling person. And so um, us feeling people need you to think that we're, and now I'm getting interesting looks. (laughs) But it's good to stop and explore why we do what we do. And so, um, before we get going, I want you to know that even as we explore the anatomy of a vertical worship service, the way we plan our services here and the, the content and why we do what we do, it is not the only way to plan a worship service. It is not the only way to get together and corporately worship God. But for us, it is a discipline. For us, it is a a biblical uh, foundation and a framework that we come to each and every week to help us um, stay within some biblical parameters. Oftentimes, musicians and artists have a tendency to go towards the art and rather than the content. And so this helps keep us within a framework of content. And and, uh, it keeps the worship about him and not about our preference and not about the things that we want to do, but things that we believe glorify the Lord and the Bible is showing us. And it helps us uh, to see these gatherings rightly, not just as worship leaders, but as worshipers. As you guys come in each and every week, it helps you to come in if you know what's going on and you know where the progression is, it helps you to come in with anticipation. Uh, with uh, not with the idea of, okay, this is a box to check this week, or this is uh, the singing that gets me through so that I can get to the part that I really want to when I get to the message, or this helps me prepare to hear the message better. While it may do that, that's not the point. The point is for us to gather in corporate worship. Um, We believe that there is power in these moments of corporate worship together. We believe uh, that uh, it engages our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength in the beauty and the majesty of our great God. We believe that these powerful encounters with our great God fuel our passion to see him rightly 
and to see ourselves in light of who he is and to live out our days according to his purposes. And so worship just doesn't prepare us to hear God's word. Worship prepares us to live a life poured out before him in worship, a life that is all about the glory of God. And so as we come to this subject this morning, let's just ask the Lord to show us a few things from his word this morning to help us engage our hearts in worship to him uh, better and more fervently as the days and weeks progress. So God, we ask you this morning to meet with us in a special way, to show us from your word how you... um, Um, engage us and how you like to be engaged, how we can pursue you in worship. And we look at the things of old and um, use them in the present and look forward to um, eternity with you where we will worship um, with the angels and with um, all that we see in Revelation. And so... um, We ask uh, that you would open our hearts and minds that we would be doers of your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So there are five categories uh, in a vertical worship service that we plan around when we uh, come to uh, our services each week. And the, the first of those categories is what we call the ones. The ones, worship as we arrive. And if you turn with me, I'm going to turn to Psalm 95 this morning. Psalm 95. And uh, uh, there are many passages that could talk about these worship as we arrive, um, these calls to worship. Uh, but uh, Psalm 95 happens to be uh, kind of my ministry passage. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, And uh, normally when we get together and open God's word, we go through one passage and we uh, go through verse by verse and we try to expound upon those and see what God has to say for us from that one passage. But sometimes we'll get together and we'll do some topical things like this morning and uh, we'll look at the whole scripture and we'll jump around and and see what God has to say uh, in in his word about a certain topic. And that's the way we're going to go about this morning, so don't get too comfortable. We'll be be jumping a bit. Um, And uh, the other thing that I'm going to pull up now is is a picture of the tabernacle. This is going to help us uh, as uh, give us a visual as we walk through these uh, five categories this morning. This is a bird's eye view of the tabernacle from the Old Testament, and uh, we'll be walking out from the outside all the way through to the end uh, into, the, into the Holy of Holies and kind of use this as just kind of a biblical framework for us to think through and have a visual as we go through these five categories. So Psalm 95, 1 and O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 95, 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. We always want a call to worship, an invitation to come as we arrive, as we get ready to worship, a nudge to get our hearts 
and heads and eyes off of ourselves and on to the Lord. You see, six out of seven days a week, we spend our time out in the world and we spend our time um, with um, coworkers or with our families or in social media or listening to the media. And, and oftentimes, so many of those things are pulling us away from the Lord. They're pointing us to things in the world that, that they're saying is going to satisfy us more than the Lord will. And so we need moments in our worship services as we begin to kind of say, nope, that's not where our focus needs to be. Not out here, but starting to be in here. And let's focus our hearts and our minds and uh, let's get away from the pull, away from the Lord and focus towards uh, the Lord and put our affections on him again. We need that rhythm, that one day a week. The Lord knew that each and every week we come back to remind ourselves because we're prone to wander as the hymn uh, states. And uh, so we have times of calling one another to come. Come and worship the Lord, see the Lord, sing to the Lord. And verse two says, let us come into his presence. His presence. Uh, oftentimes in our one section, and we would have done this already this morning, we call upon the Lord as well to meet with us in a special way. We call upon the Lord who is omnipresent, who is always present with us to kind of show his glory amongst us in a way, a, a manifest presence that we can see him active, we can sense him speaking to us in our hearts through his Holy Spirit and through his word and through the songs that we sing to pull us back to him. We ask and plead with the Lord in these moments that he would meet with us and show us himself and this wouldn't be some uh, horizontal thing but this would be a vertical thing, a relationship thing between us and him. He is worshiping and receives glory when we, are, when we are moved towards him and when we are changed because of that move. He manifests himself among us in those ways. And so we celebrate, uh, we worship as we arrive, we, we call each other, we remind ourselves why we've come and who we've come for and we ask him to move among us. And after our ones, we move on to a time of celebration in our twos, uh, twos, uh, worship at the gate. Turn to Psalm 100, verse four. Psalm 100, verse four, we've actually already read this this morning as we began our two section of today's service, but Psalm 100, verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And you'll see on our, um, on our bird's eye view that we are now at the gate, the entrance gate. And uh, the, uh, the Israel, Israelite people would come out from their six out of seven days a week or they would come out from uh, where they were and they would come up to this gate and, uh, and there would be celebration because, um, you know, like when you're at the end of a long journey that you're excited about, like think about your latest vacation or your vacation that you spent 15 hours in the car to get down to Florida so that you could go do the thing that you wanted to do. 
and, uh, or you flew down there if you were one of those type people. And, um, uh, but just think about when you arrive at your destination. There is freedom in that moment. There is freedom from the confines of a car or a plane. There is, uh, uh, there is uh, an excitement about being somewhere that is different from the everyday routine of what you experience in in regular life. There is sometimes there's family and friends at the end of your journey that you're really excited to spend time with. And uh, um, oftentimes, um, you're just excited to be at the destination and for the reason that you're there, whether it's to go to the beach or go to Disney or whatever it is that your family likes to do. and those kinds of uh, feelings, those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of uh, things are what we're going after in these twos, these worship at the gate. We um, want our services to have moments that are filled with joyful exuberance, with celebration and thanksgiving, with a joyful remembrance of why we're here. All throughout scriptures, you can find examples of joyful celebrations. You can find um, commands to joyfully celebrate, just like Psalm 100, verse four. And then even back in Psalm 95, where we just were, it says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock our, our salvation. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. So we strive to do that in our worship. We strive to be joyful and to be exuberant and, and to wake up our hearts uh, with joy and sing upbeat songs of celebration that reflect our joy in God and our joy in his character, and our joy in his works, and our joy that it is to commit our lives to him. So in our ones, we gather and we ask the Lord to meet with us. In our twos, we celebrate, and now in our threes, uh, we encourage one another through testimony. These threes are the uh, courts of testimony, this outer courtyard that you see back here. You see the Israelites. Um, all of the common people were allowed in this outer courtyard, and there would be uh, times of sacrifice there. But just kind of picture everybody kind of congregating, kind of like maybe what you and I do in the lobby out here, kind of congregating and, and talking with one another and, and saying, here, this is what the Lord has done for me this week. And I read this in in God's word and and beginning to minister to one another. That's the sense that we're going for in these three, this courts of testimony. A large chunk of our services are vertical where we're singing to the Lord like Psalm 95 says or we're giving thanks to the Lord like Psalm 100 says. Um, but there are times in our services uh, where, we, where we need to sing to one another. Um, and um, there is a, a very different direction of this kind of content. Ephesians uh, 5.19, you don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 5.19 says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then Psalm 66, 16 says, come and hear all you who fear God and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. We need times of telling one another what the Lord is doing in our hearts and lives. This shows God at work among us. Turn to Psalm 145. 
Psalm 145, four through seven. One forty-five, four through seven. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. We should commend God's works to one another. We should declare the mighty acts that he has done in our lives. We should ponder and meditate upon who he is and his, the glorious splendor of his majesty and the wondrous works that he's done in our lives. We should speak of his awesome deeds and declare his greatness and the great things that he has done among us. These um, people that are in this outer court of testimony, um, the content of what they're doing, their sacrifice, they're doing sacrifices in that outer courtyard, and the content of what they're doing is very much about what the Lord is doing in them and for them. And so these times of testimony is about the Lord and his works, but the direction is to one another. It's testimony and it's, it really is important to show us and tell us that God is at work among us. And so most often when these sections of our service, we sing songs of testimony and we talk about what God is doing in our corporate church. We talk sometimes and even get to hear of what God is doing in individuals and within uh, individuals within our church family. And so even this morning, uh, we're just gonna stop for a moment. We're gonna hear from uh, one of our families and what is one of my favorite stories of what God's been doing here. And then while we uh, listen to that story, we'll, after that, we'll uh, take offering and we'll sing a bit more and spend a little bit more time together in this courts of testimony. But uh, why don't you hear what uh, God's been doing in the Peterson family. Thanks, you can have a seat in that is what we're doing when we're in that three section proclaiming what the Lord has done for us. And now I want you to turn to Hebrews 9. When we think about what the Lord has done for us, we can't help but to think about the cross and um, this fours, this place of preparation. Um, we've been called to worship. We celebrate who our God is. We've been in the courts of testimony. And, and now we move on to a section of the tabernacle where, 729, um, we move to a place in the tabernacle where, um, where uh, you and I were not allowed to go. And uh, just the priests who were uh, the people's representation was allowed. Let's look at Hebrews 9, 1 through 7 here. Uh, e now even the first covenant, the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. 
For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden, golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the, tables, uh, the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherub, cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So you see we have this picture here of these priests going into this holy place, this place of preparation. And see, you and I, we couldn't go in there, but these priests that were uh, dedicated for worship, um, they would go in there, and um, they were the people's only access to God. They were the people's only representation before him. And this is where their worship rituals would take place. They would do incense in the morning and in the evening, and then there was 12 loaves of unleavened bread that uh, represented the tribes of Israel, and the priests would consume them every week. And they would, uh, that's where they would prepare, as the, the, the passage tells us, that's where they would prepare to go into the Holy of Holies. But only one day a year, only on the Day of Atonement. And so you kind of see a little bit of, there was a lot of separation between the people and a holy God. But let's look at verse 11, Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. See, you and I are no longer under this old covenant way of worship. You and I are under a, a new covenant that is brought forth because of Jesus and because Jesus is now our high priest. He did through the cross one complete sacrifice that makes a restored relationship with God possible. You see, this is, this is the gospel. This is the good news. The bad news is that you and I are separated. You see that veil over here that's denoted by this purple line before the Holy of Holies? Nobody goes in that. One guy, high priest, they tie a rope to his foot. If he goes in there and he dies, they can pull him out because they can't keep going in and dying because that's how holy our God is. Nobody's allowed in there but once a year and only with blood, and then that blood doesn't cover them, okay? It's a picture, it's a representation of what's coming. Jesus Christ has come 
and Jesus Christ has made it available. If you were to look at the end of the chapter, uh, at the end of the book of Luke, and you were to look at the death and the, the crucifixion of Jesus, you would see there that at, at Jesus' death, the veil in the temple of that day was torn directly in two, denoting that you and I now have access to God because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross for us. And so each and every week, we need, we need to know that. We need to remember that. We need to sing of that. We need to worship Jesus. We need to lift high the name of Jesus because without the name of Jesus, none of our worship gets beyond the ceiling in this room because none of us are able to go there. Psalm 24 says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, but none of us have clean hands and a pure heart. All of us know that even this morning we've had an impure thought. Even this morning we've got angrier at our family than we should have. Even this morning we've had moments that are not holy moments that would give us access to a holy God. We see in his word, Romans 3.23, we all know it, that tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us has clean hands to enter the holy of holies, to spend time in God's presence only through Jesus Christ. And so we, um, we need to remember and we need to celebrate and we need these moments of four to remind us that Jesus gives us access. And so we do that each and every week. Look at Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Because of Jesus, that veil is gone, and we are invited into relationship to draw near to a holy God. We can enter God's presence, and that moves us into our fives, our fives, the, the holy of holies, that place where before Christ, it was only one person and only once a year. And these, this section of the temple denotes for us a, a category in which we go after every week. It's kind of uh, the ending destination of where we're going in worship. These... Um, are where uh, we are completely um, and utterly vertically focused, uh, as, as vertically focused as we possibly can. There's no more pronouns about us. There's no more about how whatever God's done benefits me, but it's pure vertical adoration. It's focused on God. 
It's focused on God and his beauty and his majesty and his intrinsic worth and his surpassing glory. And scripture records this kind of worship, this kind of uh, uh, worship that is seen oftentimes in, in heaven. And there's a few heavenly throne room scenes and uh, one of them is Revelation uh, four and five. If you'll turn with me real quick to Revelation four and five. You can read uh, the whole chapters four and five sometime uh, on your own, but let's look at um, these sections of this, of this passage that talk about what the, the beings or the people are singing and saying um, in, in this scene. Revelation four, verse eight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Notice the content of what they're saying there. He's set apart, he's unlike, he's totally otherworldly. He's mighty and he's eternal. There's no beginning and no end to all that he is. And he never changes and never will. Verse 11, it says, worthy, the 24 elders say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Notice the content here. He's the worthy one. No one else is to receive this kind of unashamed adoration, to receive glory, to be honored above everything else that exists. In fact, everything that exists, he made everything that exists. And by his power, he designed it. And with his creativity, everything was made. He is awesome. And there's nothing about ourselves in here. There's nothing about themselves, the people that, uh, the beings that are doing this kind of worship. There's nothing about themselves. Let's move on. Let's look at, at, at chapter five, verse nine. Chapter five, verse nine, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. This is about Jesus, and look at the content of this section. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth." Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down 
and worshiped. Here we see that the focus is Jesus again, and yet it's supremely vertical. It is magnifying Jesus in his death, but, also, but not what his death did for you and for me, but what his death did for God. You ransomed people for God, and you've made a kingdom and priests to our God. The direction of the content of their worship here, this new song that they're singing, is purely vertical and on Jesus. That is our destination. Every week we seek to prepare our hearts to understand and to see rightly and to worship rightly this revelation four and five God and this revelation five Jesus. And we are committed to pursuing that destination each and every single week. Rarely do you find songs of worship Uh, that are written like this, and when we do, we hang on to them like they're pure gold, and we usually squeeze every single ounce of life out of them that we can and continue to sing them for years and years and years because they're so rich, and it's hard to find them, and uh, it's the hard work of the worship planning that I do for us, and it's the hard work of our team each and every week to go after these moments together. And so we return to this progression. We return to this progression each week in our services to keep at the forefront of our hearts and minds who we exist for and who the object of our worship and affection should be. The songs change and rotate in and out and the scriptures rotate in and out and the prayers change, but the anatomy of the vertical worship service continues week in and week out because the beauty of our God never changes. The beauty of the gospel never changes. Because one day, you and I will join with all of heaven and say to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And all God's people said. And so God, we come to you even now, our hearts full, recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord, recognizing um, what you, Jesus, did for us at the cross once for all, tearing the veil, giving access to your presence. And so we thank you that we can enter through the person and work of Jesus, and we magnify Jesus now as we continue and as we sing and as we worship this morning. May that propel us into deeper relationship and deeper worship of who you are and extol who you are greatly among us. And then would many see and fear and put their trust in you Thank you for these times of worship together. 
for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.